What is up team? Welcome back. Today we are diving into how to fix stalled fat loss. Basically, I'm going to be taking you through the eight step process that we use with all our online clients to determine where a fat loss stall is actually coming from. Because oftentimes people are all too quick to just go slashing calories at the first time of a fat loss stall. And this is true for coaches or if you're coaching yourself. And that gets you in this vicious cycle of constantly eating less and less and less. You're underfueling yourself, your performance suffers, your muscle mass suffers, but you're still struggling to get the outcome you want. Fat loss just continues to stall over and over again quickly. So today's episode is geared towards teaching you how to get out of this vicious cycle and really just take the principles that we use with our online clients focused on fat loss and apply them to yourself or your clients if you're a coach. All right, all that said, let's get into why fat loss stalls. Now, it's well known that to lose fat, calories in must be less than calories out, aka you need to eat fewer calories than you burn in a day. Now, the total calories you burn in a day is what we call your metabolism, and it's really a lot simpler than you think. Basically, your metabolism has four different pieces. We have one, basal metabolic rate, or, or BMR, which is just the calories your body burns just to stay alive. So even if you were to lie in bed all day, your BMR wouldn't change. It's calories burned through things like breathing, your heart pumping, etc. Now, generally, the heavier you are, the higher your BMR. Two, we have the thermic effect of food, or TEF. So your, be- your body actually burns calories while digesting the food you eat. Um, the thermic effect of protein is about 20 to 30% of the calories you burned via pro- or the v- calories you take in via protein are burned off during digestion. Carbs, about 5 to 10%, and fats, about 0 to 5%. Next, we have non-exercise activity thermogenesis, or NEAT. This is all the calories you burn in your everyday movement outside of the gym. Now, NEAT is the most controllable variable of your metabolism and seems to be the biggest difference in the metabolisms of lean and obese individuals. And then finally, when we're summing up these components of metabolism, we have the thermic effect of exercise or TEE. Now, lifting weights, cardio, etc., are the things that would really make up your thermic effect of exercise or TEE. Now, really, this is the smallest portion of your metabolism, despite many people thinking that this is the largest portion of your metabolism. Um, really, exercise doesn't burn that many calories. You could burn 500 calories with an hour on the stair mill and then drink a 500 calorie margarita in five minutes. Now, regardless, these four pieces of your metabolism account for all the calories you burn in a day. So if your food intake has stayed exactly, exactly the same, aka calories and have stayed exactly the same, but you're not losing anymore, we know that your calories burned must have decreased. Or as you probably heard it put, your metabolism has slowed. Now, don't let that freak you out because a slower metabolism is a normal part of weight loss due to something called metabolic adaptation. You didn't break anything, nor are you doomed to a life of undereating. See, as the four pieces of pieces of your metabolism adapt to weight loss and less food, aka metabolic adaptation, some changes occur. One, your BMR, your basal metabolic rate, drops as you lose weight. So basically, a smaller body burns fewer calories. And this applies to the thermic effect of exercise as well, as a smaller person will burn fewer calories during exercise. 
two, thermic effect of food drops since you're eating less. So some of this can be offset by increasing protein intake, but a decrease in calories still generally creates a drop in total thermic effect of food. And three, calories burned via knee also drop. When dieting, you're basically depriving the body of energy, aka calories. So you're more lethargic, resulting in less daily movement. Step goals and increasing exercise help, but a decrease in calories burned here is inevitable. Now, when you eat more, it has the opposite effect on your metabolism. You have more energy, you're eating more food, and have potentially a larger body, so you start to burn more calories. But in this circumstance, your body is getting smaller as a result of your diet and burns fewer calories as it shrinks. So thus, your metabolism slows. And some of this is just an inevitable part of fat loss and actually means that you're achieving the goal of the diet, which is a smaller body. So from there, we need to dive into some key considerations for stalled fat loss. Because in my experience as a nutrition coach, metabolic adaptation is rarely the reason fat loss actually stalls. I'd say about 5-10% to of the time. If your fat loss is stalled right now, you're probably in the other 90-95%. to 95% meaning you don't need to decrease calories or increase cardio yet in order for fat loss to resume. Since the goal within nutrition coaching is always to keep you eating as much as possible to fuel your performance, recovery, and lifestyle, we need to get clear on what else outside of metabolic adaptation could be causing your fat loss to stall. Now, before we go any further, I have to say, if you've been stuck in the cycle of trying to get leaner, trying to get leaner, trying to get leaner. Maybe your diet works well for the first one to two months, but you never get as lean as you want. You never achieve the physique that you want. Hit the link in the show notes to apply for coaching with our team. We help individuals just like you who have already been training for multiple years, who are already working your asses off in the gym, who already are eating clean, who really we could say, or really seem to in your own eyes, already be ticking all the boxes. We help you apply more structure and more specificity with your nutrition and your training than you've ever had before. And really for most individuals on top of that, the accountability that we provide every single day is the biggest piece from going where you are right now. Someone who's already working hard in the gym and in the kitchen, but not seeing the results you want to finally achieving your ultimate physique. So again, if you've been stuck in this hamster wheel of trying to get as lean as you want, but never actually getting there for years, one more time, hit the link in the show notes to apply to work with us. Now, to take it back to the most common reasons why fat loss actually stalls, we need to get clear on this because as cool as all this metabolic adaptation stuff sounds, most of the time your fat loss actually stalls due to an error in measuring calorie intake or calorie output. Because again, people are often too quick to just go slashing calories when it's just not necessary yet. Truly one of the most beneficial things to helping our clients achieve amazing results has been establishing our eight step system for fixing stalled fat loss, which of course is really what we're gonna dive into in this episode. Um, and yeah, without any further ado, let's just go ahead and get right into this eight step system. So this is the exact order of operations we take a client through within nutrition coaching. This allows us to pinpoint exactly what factor has stalled your fat loss and adjust your nutrition and training strategy accordingly. All right, so when faced with a potential fat loss stall, you're gonna start by asking yourself or your client, one, have measurements decreased? 
So our fat loss focused online clients take body measurements weekly and drop them into a metric tracker. So we have clients track chest circumference, right arm circumference, two inches above the navel, at the navel, two inches below the navel, hips, and right thigh. Now, how your measurements are changing is typically the single biggest factor we adjust nutrition from in a fat loss setting. Your weight, your weight loss can stall or even increase due to factors like building lean muscle, stress, digestion, sleep, and hormones, just to name a few. But measurements give us a much more accurate picture of your fat loss progress across the course of a week and are less prone to the fluctuations of the scale. So if you've lost 0.25 inches plus from multiple measurement sites, it's safe to say that you're losing a good amount of fat and probably no nutrition adjustments are needed. But if no, you haven't lost 0.25 inches plus from multiple measurement sites, then we'll move on to question number two. So question number two is, has scale weight decreased? So for most, the ideal speed of weight loss when trying to get leaner is gonna be somewhere between 0.5 and 1% of body weight per week. But like mentioned, scale weight can fluctuate pretty wildly due to things like water retention from higher sodium intake, stress, and digestive issues. Now most should see a monthly trend of two to 4% of total body weight lost but this rarely plays out as losing exactly 0.5 to 1% of body weight per week. And this is why taking body measurements is so damn important. Online clients will often see weight loss stall, but a big decrease in measurements. And this will be followed by a large weight drop a week or two further along. So don't get caught up in weekly weight changes. Look at the trend over multiple weeks and months. This is also very much depends on how lean you are already, of course, and how much muscle you are building as you lose fat. Now, side note here, it is very common that we'll see one of these metrics kind of leads the other for fat loss clients. So we'll often see like a couple weeks of big measurement changes while the scale kind of stays sticky. Um, and then we'll see a big drop in scale weight to kind of catch up to that measurement change a couple weeks down the road or vice versa. We'll see a big drop in scale weight, but measurements will be kind of sticky and then, and then they'll quote unquote catch up a couple weeks down the road. But it's very rare that both of those drops synchronistically or synergistically, I should say, at the same time. So something to consider here as well. And again, that's exactly why if you are a coach or you're someone chasing your best body composition, it's so important to take more than just scale weight or shit, even more than just body measurements. All right. So here, if you've lost 0.5% of body weight on average over the last two weeks, it's likely there are no nutrition adjustments needed unless you are chasing a faster rate of loss. So let's say again, you're getting ready for a bodybuilding competition, a photo shoot, something of that nature, and you know, okay, right now I need to be losing 0.75% of body weight per week, 1% of body weight per week, which really, if you're getting ready for a photo shoot or a bodybuilding competition, that's probably a bit aggressive. But um, unless this is slower than the target rate of loss you know you need to be hitting, if in most cases, if we're hitting 0.5% plus of body weight on average for the last two weeks lost, then no nutrition adjustments are gonna be needed. But if you can't say that that's happening, then move on to number three. So question number three is, did fat loss stall abruptly and or did hunger largely decrease? So the reality is metabolic adaptation is a very slow process. So a fat loss stall via metabolic adaptation happens very slowly with weight rate of loss gradually decreasing over weeks and weeks and weeks and eventually creeping to a halt. So if you saw solid fat loss changes on these same macros just a few weeks ago, 
or last week and then an abrupt stall, you probably don't need to decrease calories yet. And the issue lies somewhere in questions four through six, which of course we're gonna dive into in just a moment. Similarly, if you've been relatively hungry throughout the fat loss phase, and we, I would say a 2.5 to a 3.5 out of normal, or out of five is normal in a fat loss phase, and you suddenly see a large decrease in hunger without drastically increasing the percentage of protein or whole, whole foods within your calories, it's likely that either A, there's some source of measurement error sneaking in and you're eating more calories than you thought, or B, you are moving less than you were before. So really just a couple things to take into consideration. One, we know that um, if fat loss stalled abruptly, okay, that's likely not due to me metabolic adaptation, but either I'm moving more, or, or excuse me, I'm moving less or I'm eating more. B, if hunger suddenly decreased, Again, we know, but food composition stayed very similar, and it appears you're hitting your macros. That tells us, okay, you're likely, again, like actually eating more than you're tracking. There's some sort of measurement error here. And this is exactly why we have clients rate hunger, or one of the reasons we have clients rate hunger on their progress tracker. Because we can often see, okay, all of a sudden progress stalled, but macros look great. Okay, but we saw a drastic decrease in hunger here. So then I can dive in the client's food diary and we can see things like, hey, do you happen to be cook cooking this food in olive oil? Oh yeah, like I didn't introduce that. Or like, hey, these couple new recipes I see you introduce this week. Let's dive into how to make sure we're tracking those accurately. And we can pretty easily with this identify the source of error. All right, so from there, no really just something to ponder before moving on to question number four which is, are you consistently hitting your macros? Now this one's pretty simple. If you're not consistently hitting your macro goals, then you're just eating more calories than needed to lose fat. No macro adjustment can make up for a lack of consistency. So if you're not consistently hitting your macros, and really the general rules of thumb we give our clients are plus or minus 20 grams of protein, um, plus or minus 20 grams of carbs, plus or minus 10 grams of fat. So if you're not consistently hitting your macros, there's no macro decreases needed. It, because again, if your macros are random and all over the place, after we adjust your macros, they'll continue to be random and all over the place. So we'll likely revisit your diet strategy and make sure it's the best fit for you and your consistency and really kind of try to get to the root of what is causing this inconsistency with your macros in the first place. Now, if you are hitting your macro targets consistently, we'll move on to question number five, which is, are you measuring food accurately? Now, measuring food accurately is very important for macros. And I know that tracking, um, or measuring, I should say, is kind of a pain in the ass. Weighing your food on the food scale is kind of a pain in the ass, but not as much as kind of tracking for years and never getting the results. Truly, this is one I can go on about for a long time, but I will try to keep this brief. So in a nutshell, a couple tools to help you track accurately would be a food scale, a set of measuring cups, and a set of teaspoons and tablespoons. From there, the most common tracking mistakes that we see with online clients would be one, cooking oils. So even if you don't apply it directly to your food, but rather line the pan with it, so let's say you line the pan with olive oil when you make eggs or chicken breast, a lot of it still gets absorbed. And this can add up to hundreds of untracked calories. Two, dressings, toppings, alcohol, and condiments. And really the two biggest culprits here are salad dressings and condiments like barbecue sauce. Both are sneaky high in calories and all too easy to forget 
to track. So like the ketchup that you put on your sweet potato, if you forget to track that, the barbecue sauce on your steak, um, a couple drinks are very, especially after you've had a couple drinks, the next couple drinks are a lot easier to forget to track. So just a couple things to be mindful of, and especially why within the first couple weeks of a fat loss phase, we always have our clients pre-plan their days and actually shoot those over to us so we can hold you accountable to following through with that as well. From there, estimating instead of measuring. So we're typically pretty terrible at estimating our food intake accurately. I know they've even done studies on this with dietitians, registered dietitians, and asked them to... um, estimate their food to the best of their ability and i believe it was like 400 and something calories that they underestimated their food intake by and again these were registered dietitians so there's absolutely nothing wrong with any of us but it is just all too easy to underestimate the amount of calories that you take in which is again why things like actually measuring most of your foods pre-planning so you don't forget to plug things in etc is so helpful of course, not tracking entire meals or days is going to throw a wrench in your macros. And then finally, getting too flexible with foods that are hard to track accurately. Now, there's nothing at all wrong with going out to eat, but eating food you didn't prepare yourself always leaves much more room for error. You'll never know exactly what's in the dish you're eating. So even if your macros look perfect in your tracker, eating out too frequently can still lead to underestimating calories. For example, let's say you go to Chipotle. Have you ever noticed the huge variance when you go to Chipotle, depending on who is scooping you up, um, the ingredients, like what the portion sizes are, like one dude might give you <laughs> just the tiniest spoon and you got to, yo, can I get a little bit more rice? Hey, can I get a little bit more rice yet? Um, you have to ask that with every single ingredient. Whereas on the other hand, some people just absolutely fucking pour it on there. And that's when you like need another tortilla to wrap your burrito. Um, but regardless, there's just so much variance. Even in like, and Chipotle would be something that I would say is relatively easy to track accurately. But no matter what you're eating, there's just so much room for error within your tracking if you didn't prepare it yourself. Now, of course, like this is part of a flexible lifestyle as well. So we don't need to stress that too much. But if you're chasing the fastest fat loss possible, going out to eat four to six times per week is probably going to slow your progress a bit. And then finally, some guidelines to help you track as accurately as possible. One, don't track using metrics like small, medium, or large. So for example, one medium banana, one large avocado, one half bowl of rice, one steak. This leaves a lot of room for error. Weight measurements in grams are by far the most accurate. So weigh as much as possible with the food scale. And from there, measure the rest with cups, tablespoons, and teaspoons. And weigh your meats raw, but thawed, and track them as such. So if you've realized that you've not tracked your food accurately so far, first of all, don't beat yourself up because this is a common mistake. Take the next few weeks to work through your food diary and figure out anywhere inaccuracies could be slipping in. For most everyone, I would say this is the common, this is the most common place with our clients where, okay, let's work through this. Are you pre-planning? And it not even always pre-planning, but like, Yo, how consistently are you measuring your foods? How consistently are you weighing your foods? Are you making a lot more estimates than you were a couple weeks ago when we were seeing you lose quickly? Almost always, I would say this, by the time we work through question number five, we've figured out how to get fat loss to resume and it does, to resume and it does within the next couple of days. So of course, again, if you realize you haven't been tracking accurately, double down on that. 
If you are measuring food accurately, move on to question number six. Are you consistently hitting daily movement goals? Now, like we talked about earlier, NEAT, aka non-exercise activity thermogenesis, is the most manipulatable variable of your metabolism. Metabolism varies a lot in how it responds to overeating or undereating, especially NEAT. So from my experience as a nutrition coach, most clients' metabolisms will fall into one of two categories. First, we have adaptive metabolisms. So these are people who, when you eat more, your body automatically increases NEAT to compensate. So think subconscious fidgeting, blinking, and pacing. Your body adapts to higher calorie intake by increasing calories burned through movement. So weight stays the same even with calorie increases. Now the opposite happens on a diet. When you eat less, your body decreases NEAT by a large degree to compensate. So your body adapts to a lower calorie intake by decreasing calories burned through movement. So weight stays the same even with calories lower than before. Now on the flip side, number two, we have people with rigid metabolisms. So these people see very little or no increase in NEAT as a response to overeating. Thus, fat gain is a bit easier, but on the bright side, these people usually don't have to decrease calories as much to lose fat because calories burned through NEAT don't decrease as much as it would for someone with an adaptive metabolism. So to prove this idea, a 1999 study fed 16 people 1,000 calories over their maintenance intake per day. Now, weight gain varied um, between these groups from 0.8 pounds, or between individuals, I should say, from 0.8 pounds to 9.3 pounds. A huge difference. Oh, and I should have mentioned this week was this was an eight-week study. So again, 16 people ate 1,000 calories of the maintenance intake for 16 weeks, or excuse me, for eight weeks straight. And weight gain varied from 0.8 pounds to 9.3 pounds, which again is a huge difference for just eight weeks. And the change in NEAT between individuals also varied wildly, wildly from actually minus 98 calories. So some people decreased movement up to plus 692 calories extra burn via NEAT per day. So basically, the 16 people in the study had crazy different responses to eating the same calorie surplus. There's a huge variance in how people's energy expenditure via NEAT will respond to overfeeding or underfeeding. So the point of all this talk is, as you diet, movement will likely reduce. And while we can't account for all the fidgeting and blinking you might cease to do, we do give all fat loss focused clients a daily movement goal. And this helps ensure that your weight loss hasn't stalled from a decrease in movement. Depending on how active you are at work, seven to 10K steps per day is a pretty realistic target for most. So if you realize movement has decreased or been inconsistent, determine a realistic step goal you can hit daily and stick to it. Fat loss should resume soon. If you have been consistently hitting a movement goal already, move on to question number seven, which is, was your last macro adjustment less than two weeks ago? The reality is, it just takes time for a decrease in calories to compound to noticeable changes. So if it's been less than two weeks since your last macro adjustment, you likely need to just give it more time. So again, um, if it's been less than two weeks, just chill here for a bit. Progress should pick up soon. If it has been over two weeks since your, since your last adjustment, move on to question number eight, which is have you taken a diet break in the last eight to 12 weeks? So from a psychological perspective, dieting just gets hard after two to three months of pushing. 
both physical and mental fatigue, aka diet fatigue, start to creep in. And often without even realizing it, attention to the finer details of dieting that have a big impact on your results. So for example, tracking everything, using your food scale and daily movement starts slipping. And this is why most of our online clients are prescribed a diet break every eight to 12 weeks. Now, despite not seemingly having a large amount of physiological benefits, the psychological benefits of diet breaks are large for most. We almost always see dramatically improved adherence and thus fat loss post diet break. Now, really when we're diving into the topic of diet breaks, this is such an interesting topic because again, the more and more research comes out, the more it seems like there's not these huge physiological benefits or like metabolism boosting benefits like we once thought. But again, over and over we see, even if clients are very hard, like trying to push themselves, trying to grind through, you just get beat down mentally after two to three months of dieting. And again, like the finer details of weighing everything, of hitting your step goals every day, we let like more and more little things slip by us. And those little pieces that slip by us every day add up to a lot more than we think. So again, if you haven't taken a diet break in the last 12 weeks, implement one now for one to two weeks. If you have taken a diet break in the last eight, in the last 12 weeks, fat loss is likely stalled and it's time to make a macro adjustment. Now, from there, I am going to link two resources for you in the show notes. One is our blog that breaks down all things diet breaks, how to implement them. Two is a complete guide to making macro and or movement adjustments. So basically how to set your macros for fat loss or building is covered there as well and how to make adjustments along the way. Now we take online clients through an entire eight step process that you just heard before decreasing macros because a macro adjustment isn't needed more often than not. So be smart aka use our system when determining whether you or a client really need to decrease macros. Now, if you're ready to stop guessing and start achieving the physique you've always wanted, one more time, click the link in the show notes to apply for online coaching with our team. We apply proven science-backed nutrition and training methods through individualized coaching to help you get the body you want and teach you how to keep it for a lifetime. All right, guys, and that is all I have for you for today. As always, thank you for tuning in.